All right, let me open us up in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for um, being so good to us, um, for revealing yourself to us in your word. You speak to us through the scriptures. This is um, an amazing thing that the God of the universe would come before us, um, or that you would allow us to come before you, and that you would reveal yourself to us through your word, God. So I pray that we would learn. I pray that you would, um, again, ultimately use this lesson so that we would worship you all the more, God, because you are worthy of it. So, uh God, my God, my mouth, uh, open our ears and our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, last week, uh, I think only Alan was here last week when I when I uh, taught the first class. But kind of to give in a uh, very quick um, summary of last week's lesson was uh, we talked about the inspiration of Scripture. So. This last week, this week, and the following week, we're going to talk about the attributes of Scripture. We'll talk about the uh, sufficiencies, uh, clarity, authority, necessity of Scripture. Why does it matter? Um, can we believe the Bible? Can we stake our lives on it? And last week, we talked about what the inspiration of Scripture is. And there's this word from um, from Second Timothy that says that all of or the the phrase is all of Scripture is God breathed. Um, the Greek word is theonoustos, so it means that the very breath of God um, is in the, the scriptures. The scriptures are the breath of God. God speaks, He reveals Himself to us through His Word. And if that's the case, then what we read in the scriptures really matters. And today we're going to talk about the necessity and sufficiency of scripture. Um, necessity, um, why do we need the scriptures? Um, why is it necessary? And uh, the sufficiency of scripture are the scriptures enough so um, I'm going to just walk us through a few points this is there's so much to say about these topics um, so I'm going to have to go quicker than I would like um, and we won't be able to cover every single thing if you guys want to if you guys want an exhaustive study on this um, there, I'm not sure if there are any but you can look at systematic theologies um, so the first the first thing we're going to talk about is the necessity of scripture and um, the uh, I have this I have this quote from Wayne Grudem. Wayne Grudem is he I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. His systematic theology. His is one of the more popular systematic theologies in um, in our circles. And uh, this is his definition for the necessity of Scripture. The Bible is necessary for knowing the gospel, for maintaining spiritual life, and for knowing God's will. So. Here's the point, is this, that we need the Bible. Um, we need something objective and firm and, and, and clear that we can listen to. And this is what we, talk, what we mean when we're talking about the necessity. Um, here is the Westminster Confession of Faith. This is a bit long, so um, bear with me. This is kind of old, uh, old language from the 1600s, but uh, the very first article... Hey, Daniel... The very first article in the Westminster Confession of Faith. All right, so I'm going to read slowly, and we'll try to absorb it, and we'll cover some of the elements in this as we go on. All right. Although the light of nature and the works of creation and providence do so far manifest the goodness, wisdom, and power of God as to leave men inexcusable, yet are they not sufficient to give that knowledge of God and of His will which is necessary unto salvation? Therefore, it pleased the Lord at sundry times and in diverse manners to reveal Himself and to declare that His holy that to, to declare that His will unto His church, and afterwards for the better preserving and propagating of the truth, and for the more sure establishment and comfort of the church against the corruption of the flesh, and the malice of Satan and of the world to commit the same holy unto writing, which makes the holy Scripture to be most necessary. There is a word most necessary. Those former ways of God revealing His will unto His people being now ceased. All right, there's a whole lot there for us to unpack, and um, I'm going to try to do that. So the first point I have under this, uh, the necessity of Scripture, is that we ha have something called general revelation. So general revelation is this: uh, if you look below you, there are there are there's grass, and um, I don't know if you, if you guys have ever noticed like the gophers um, that are digging um, during service. Um, look at the trees. Look at the sky. Look at, if you guys have studied astronomy, it's amazing. Uh, what we can see of the, what we know of the, uh, or we don't even know, but we can observe 
13 billion light years worth of universe right now. And that is far more than a trillion lifetimes could ever study. There is so much in there. And when we talk about general revelation, we're saying this, that look at everything that we have around us. That testifies to the fact that God is God, that God exists, that He, there is some, something about Him. There's, there's intelligence and there is order to Him. Um, that He has this creative force in Him. And this is what the psalmist is talking about when he talks, when he writes in Psalm 19.1, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. So, as long as you can see with your eyes or observe with your senses that there is something, that testifies to the fact that someone created that something. Psalm 19.1 And then, here is uh, Romans 1. We have knowledge of our, of our Creator. Romans 1, 19-20 For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His, external, he, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. So here Paul is writing, he's kind of setting us up for the Gospel. And what he's saying here is this, that... Um, whether or not you acknowledge that God exists, whether or not you profess to be a um, a believer, or whether you profess to be an, an agnostic or atheist or whatever in the spectrum, you know, you know intrinsically, you know intuitively that there is a God. His in- invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. Um, and what Paul is saying here is this this which is um, everyone knows that there is a divine power some people don't put the name God to it some people will say I, if you guys have ever heard people talk you're like oh the, the stars have aligned and things are going right for, for me or the universe is for me or I'm going to speak words that will manifest some goodness in my life um, what are, even some people will say science has all the answers um what are people saying? They're saying that there is something above us that is working, that is active. And whether or not you call it God, um, it is God. So because we have knowledge of our Creator, we have something called a conscience. God has implanted in all of us something that tells us what is good and true, what is bad, what is evil. Um, we all know that whether or not we articulate it. So Paul again in Romans 2 For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. So, here's this remarkable thought that Paul puts before us. Um, Written on our hearts is something called the law. The law is... Uh, what we know of how things should be on an intuitive level. Um, if you guys remember, uh, if you guys have gone through the book of Genesis, um, do you guys remember the first murder, um, Cain and Abel? And there is this uh, couple of verses in Genesis chapter 4 that say that they presented offerings to God because of their sin. Um, no one told them to do that. Um, but they knew intrinsically something has to be, something has gone wrong, something has to be made right. That is, their conscience um, and I have this, I have this uh, second line here, which is this. Guilt is intrinsic. Guilt is intrinsic. Um, the opposite of intrinsic is extrinsic. We think that if someone says that we should stop doing something, then um, if, if that's them exerting their, their uh, authority or their power over us, that's an ex- extrinsic force. Um, that's someone telling us, these are the ways you should behave. These are the, this is how you should observe whatever laws there are. The Bible says that we don't need that, that we have in ourselves something that's intrinsic, that tells us that what, there is a good and a bad, that there are ways to live. Um, Acts 17, so this is um, Paul's sermon, part of Paul's sermon to these people that are very religious in the city of Athens. Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I pass along and observe the objects of your worship, 
I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, what therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. Alright, um, do you guys see what, what's happening here? Paul is going to this very religious city, and they have thousands, maybe tens of thousands of gods, um, and they all have names, they all have characteristics. Um, and then there is this one altar, this one, men, one, one, um, one figure that is dedicated to a God that they don't have a name for yet. And Paul says, you guys know that there is a God beyond all these gods that you have made up. Um, this is the God of the universe. This is Yahweh. This is the God who has revealed himself to us. And Paul is saying, um, as religious or as irreligious you are, you know that there is a God above you. So um, that's the uh, that's the second subpoint. And then after this next one, I'll, I'll stop and ask if you guys have any questions. You, could, you guys can ask them. Um, so we have knowledge of our Creator. We know that there is something above us. We have something called a conscience. We we understand guilt and innocence. And there is a big problem if that's the case. Um, John 3.18, this is Jesus speaking. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Jesus is saying, if you are guilty of anything, you are condemned. Whoever is has authority over you, um, they are saying that you are condemned to death because of your guilt. John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The problem is that we ha- something has to be done about our guilt. And it's not by thinking through, okay, how am I going to claw my way out of this hole that I'm in? How am I going to live a life that will make up for all the sins and all the mistakes that I have committed? Um, the problem is, we need something outside ourselves. So, that's, that's general revelation. These are all the things that we can understand intrinsically, intuitively, without the scriptures. Um, and scriptures speak of that. Um, but th- we can understand these things without anyone telling us these things. Um, any questions or comments? Alright, so this is why we need scripture. We have something called special revelation or um, some theologians use the term particular revelation. So special revelation is God speaking to us. So John Calvin is going to connect what I just said to um, my next point. Just as old or blurry... Oh, this is from the um, John Calvin's Institutes of Religion. Um, Just as old or blurry-eyed men and those with weak vision... If you thrust before them a most beautiful volume, even if they recognize it to be some sort of writing, yet can scarcely construe two words, but with the aid of spectacles will begin to read distinctly, so scripture, gathering up the otherwise confused knowledge in our minds, having dispersed our dullness, clearly shows us the true God. So this is John Calvin um, writing uh, 400 plus years ago, and he is giving us this image. He says, what if you had this huge monument and you, know it's, you, you just know that it's beautiful, you know that there's something on it, and you know that there's writing on it, um, but you, can't, you have bad eyes, you can't, you can't read what it says. Um, you need something to put on your eyes, he says, these spectacles that will make distinct what these words are. And John Calvin is saying this, that the scriptures are those spectacles. The scriptures is what is going to reveal to us um, what we halfway intuitively know um, and the scriptures will tell us everything that we need to know so that leads us to this point only the Bible gives us the knowledge of the gospel only the Bible gives us the knowledge of the gospel Romans 10 for everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved how then will they call on him in hit on him in whom they have not believed and how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news! But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. That's it in verse 17. 
Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the Word of Christ. This is what we need. We need to hear the Word of Christ, because only the Word of Christ will tell us what we need to do about our condition, our, our, our sinful condition. So, this is, this is uh, where it all comes together. Why do we need the Bible? Why would we need Scripture? Only the Scriptures will tell us what the solution is. Only the Scriptures will speak of Jesus as He is. Um, I, I was in the bookstore yesterday, and there was a book... Um, uh, you know, like, this, is a, this was a book in Alameda, and um, you know how every book has a religion section? And this book had... Um, it was small. It was like one section, and... There were um, a bunch of books. Um, very, I, there were I counted maybe like two or three books that are like kind of in the confessional or evangelical realm. The rest were um, here are these extra things about Jesus. Um, people like Deepak Chopra and uh, Richard Rohr. Um, they've written books about Jesus, and they say, look at all these other things, all these other um, writings that tell us what Jesus was like, or. Um, these philosophers, they thought about the message of Jesus and they said, well, let's extrapolate that and let's apply that to all these other things happening in the world. Um, people who, who have interest in um, Jesus or things related to Christianity um, and they add all these things. And um, if you read these books, they won't contain the gospel. They won't tell you that there's something wrong with you that o and only Jesus can fix that issue. Um, so this is why we need the scriptures. We need something to clearly tell us what our condition is, to tell us that there is a Savior for your sin. Only the Bible gives us the knowledge of the gospel, and the gospel is the most important message of the world. The gospel is, if you remember in Romans 1, um, the gospel is not a description of the power of God. The gospel is the very power of God. That means when we read the scriptures, we're reading the very words of God and we are experiencing the power of God. Only the scriptures, this is the only book in the entire world that is the very power of God. So, this is why it's necessary. That's the primary reason. Um, the sec second reason is this. The Bible is necessary for maintaining spiritual life. Um, we're going through the book of Deuteronomy. Um, in about two or three years, we're going to hit Deuteronomy 32:47. but let me read this verse to you. Deuteronomy 32, For it is no empty word for you, but your very life, and by this word you shall live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. Um, up until this point, this is Moses speaking to the Israelites. He says this, um, These words of God, they're not empty. Um, these words are your very life. Um, these words will tell you exactly what you need to know about the most important things in existence. These words are your very life. So write them on your hearts. And if you remember, um, there are passages in the Psalms and the Proverbs that tell us, um, take that word and hide it in your heart. Make it a part of you. Make it go into your marrow. First Peter 2, Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. So, if you have... If you've been around children, um, babies, what do they need? Um, Non-stop feeding. They need to be fed from their mother's milk. If you go um, a day without feeding the baby, they're going to die. Um, they might, maybe they'll last another day or two, but uh, guaranteed that they're going to die. Unless they have the nutrients that they need, and that is the milk that babies, every baby will need. And here in First Peter is telling us this. If you don't, listen to the words, if you don't absorb the words, if you don't have a steady diet of it, you're going to die spiritually. You're going to shrivel up. Um, and I... there, There's... Uh, our church is, is old enough that we've had a lot of people come through the doors and um, they've stayed with us a little while and they left and um, some of them, they, they're not... they don't consider themselves Christians anymore. And um, we've had conversations with them and we asked them, like, dude, like... This is not all of them, but some of them, like, hey, like, have, how often do you read the Bible? And they're like, well, Sundays. Um, they think that they can find what they need um, with a minimal diet of the Word of God. But the Bible says, and the testimonies of other people say this, that if you want to maintain a vigorous, um, thriving spiritual life, you can't do without the Bible. And then Jesus here, he's quoting from Deuteronomy, Matthew 4. He answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
So Jesus is equating um, the Word of God to food. So how often do we eat food? We eat it at least, well, most of us eat it at least three times a day. Um, Jesus is saying um, daily at least you should absorb it, you should listen to it, you should meditate on it. So the Bible is necessary for maintaining spiritual life. If you don't read the Bible, um, you're going to drift away or your heart is not going to be around here and you'll just be, your mind will be elsewhere um, when you're uh, here at church on Sundays or with your small group. Um, you can be physically present, you can kind of be somewhat mentally present, um, even if you don't read the Bible um, in, in, in these situations, but your life, your heart is going to shrivel up. So I think that's, this is what these verses are saying. Um, and um, let me hit this last point and then I'll stop again for questions. Um, the Bible is necessary for the knowledge, for knowledge of God's will. So how do you know what you're supposed to do with your life? How do you know what God wants for the world? Um, of the most important things, the Bible speaks to them. So Deuteronomy 29, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. Um, I, I really like what the, the wording here. Um, the things that are revealed aren't just revealed to us, but they belong to us. We are in possession of the words of God, um, and by the power of His Spirit, we can do what He tells us to do in His Word. First John 5, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. So, how can you know that you are truly saved? How can you have assurance? And this is something that many people have struggled with. Um, how do I know that I really am a child of God? How do I really know that I'm okay with God, that His wrath isn't pressing into me? Um, it's this. You need to read the Word. First John, you, you can know for certain that you have eternal life if the Spirit bears witness to that, and if the words of God bear witness to that, if your life aligns with that. And then um, Luke, um, so Luke, we're, our, our small groups right now, we're starting a study in the book of Acts, and um, Luke was the guy who wrote the book of Acts, and Acts is actually part two of Luke's gospel. So Luke was writing um, one big one big document, and Luke is kind of acting as a historian here. Luke is looking at the historical facts, and he's putting everything together for us, for the original readers as well. Um, but this is the beginning of the Gospel of Luke. It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. So he's writing to a specific person, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. So again, how can we have certainty that what we hear is true? It's the Word of God. Um, God is going to speak to us through His Word. We need to know certain things that God is saying. There's certain things that you need to know. Um, I, through the Spirit, have spoken through authors that have written the Bible. And finally, Exodus 17, The Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. So, this is speaking of the, em the enemies of God. And, or the enemies of God's people. And God is saying, um, hey, make sure that you remember what happened um, so that when you forget, that you can go back and read these words. And we are all forgetful people. We forget that God is good. We forget that He has always been good to us. We forget how He's been faithful to us. We forget that He has kept His promises to us. And what is the solution to that? Um, Exodus 17 and many other passages in the Bible say this. Read the Word. The Word will remind you. And this is a really big thing, um, especially in the Old Testament. Um, the, the idea of altars, or uh, another word that we sometimes use is Ebenezer's. And Ebenezer is a stone that, God, that God's people use to remember how God was good to them. Um, memorial and Ebenezer. And here uh, in Exodus, um, the written Word, these testify to what God has done in the past so that you can trust Him in the present and trust Him in the future. So, this is why the Bible is necessary. Um, it, it, it tells us how to live. It tells us what we need to know. Um, it offers the solution to our deepest problem, which is our sin problem. Any uh, questions or comments?
Yes. Um, you know, sometimes when I read the Bible, sometimes I am convicted. Mm-hmm. Sometimes nothing comes up. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering, are there any places, places in the Bible that speaks of maybe the attitude of a reader? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, so the question is for those listening on uh, online. There's about two of them right now, <laughs> or not this presently, but there'll probably two or three of them will. Uh, hello, friends on Spotify or Apple Podcasts um, or SoundCloud. Um, the question is: um, Sometimes we read this Bible, and um, sometimes we're convicted. Sometimes we don't feel anything. So, the, so how, how, what what posture should we take when we read the Bible? Um, off the top of my head, I don't, um, I don't remember any specific verses, but we can look at Psalm 19 and Psalm 119 that talk about the Word of God, and um, it's this attitude of humility and this attitude of um, I'm not going to be presumptuous when I when I go before the Lord in His Word, and uh, we'll actually talk about this a little bit more next week when we when we talk about the um, the clarity of Scripture, but um, in in First uh, Corinthians uh, it says that. Um, the things that are spiritual can only be we can only accept them as spiritual if the Holy Spirit has revealed them to us. So ultimately, I think it's submission to the spirits. And um, uh, the the thing about the Christian life is um, more often than not, we probably won't feel like obeying God. Um, that's the case for me. And more often than not, I'm going to want to stay in bed or I'm going to want to watch something on YouTube instead of reading the Bible. Um, that's not an attitude of humility, um, because if I were humble, I would say, I don't feel like reading right now, um, but I believe that God speaks to us. Um, thank God he does. Uh, and I need to just sit here. And most of the time, it probably won't be super inspiring. Um, but uh, I, I read this I read this uh, great quote by Tim Challies uh, years and years ago. He says, um, um, books don't change people. Sentences change people. Um, but you need to read the book in order to read the sentence. And the point he was saying is this: um, you know, we we live in a soundbite culture right now. Um, we like the the articles we read online; it's all clickbait. And the um, we 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 want to we think that if we just listen to a one or two two minute snippet of a of a speech or um, an interview, that we understand the whole thing. Um, but that actually prejudices us toward everything else that we don't read. Um, so, um, the way to read the Bible is to read it consistently and humbly and with the prayer that the Spirit would reveal to us what we need to hear. But we'll talk about that a little bit more next week. Good question. Okay. I'm going to move on if there are no other questions. The sufficiency of Scripture. Alright, so, um, not only is the Bible necessary for us, everyone needs to read it. Um, but also the sufficiency of Scripture. So, this is Gudum from his systematic theology again. Scripture contains all the words of God that he intended his people to have at each stage of redemptive history, and that it now contains everything we need God to tell us for salvation, for trusting him perfectly, and for obeying him perfectly. Um, It means that everything that we need to hear from God is we have it in Scriptures. And let me read this long... Explanation from the Westminster Confession of Faith. The whole counsel of God concerning all things necessary for his own glory, man's salvation, faith, and life is either expressly set down in Scripture or by good and necessary consequence may be deduced from Scripture, and to which nothing at any time is to be added, whether by new revelations of the Spirit or traditions of men. Nevertheless, we acknowledge the inward illumination of the Spirit of God to be necessary for the saving understanding of such things as are revealed in the Word and that there are some circumstances concerning the worship of God and the government of the church, the common to human actions and societies, which are to be ordered by the light of nature and Christian prudence according to the general rules of the word, which are always to be observed. That's a really long sentence. Um, let, me, <laughs> let me kind of pull some of the elements from that right here. So, um, the scriptures are enough um, for us. If if all we had um, as believers was the scriptures, then that'd be cool. We we don't need uh, Christian books. We don't need podcasts. The scriptures are enough. If we are reading it um, through um, the proper lens, and if the Spirit is 
working in us. So, we read 2 Timothy 3 last week. I'm going to read it again for you. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may, <coughs> excuse me, may be complete, equipped for every good work. So here, um, this is talking about the sufficiency of scripture. Um, Paul is writing to Timothy, and Timothy, and he's saying, when you, since you were a child, you learned the scriptures. Um, you become familiar with them, and these are able to make you wise for salvation, meaning that th- you're able to, um, this contains all the information you need for salvation in Christ. Um, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. Um, this is, if the Bible is sufficient for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man, the woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So, um, kind of two, two layers here. Um, number one, um, we need a solution to our sin problem. And here in Second Timothy, Paul is saying, your solution is there. It's in the scriptures. Um, you, you, will, you will hear of Christ in the scriptures. Not just that, though. We weren't saved just to go to heaven. We were saved for a mission. We, God has given us a way to live. He's given us a mission to fulfill. And what do we need for that? We need the power of the Spirit, as the book of Acts will tell us, we need the scriptures because it's in the scriptures that will tell us um, what we what we need to know. Teaching for reproof for the, for our correction when we make mistakes, um, for training us, for putting putting a um, blinder so we're disciplined as we study what we need to study, um, that we may be complete, equipped for every good work. We are to be do good work. We are to love others and we're to preach the gospel and we're to minister and we're to um, carry out this ministry of reconciliation in the world. Um, this is what's going to equip you for the good works that you were called to. And then uh, Psalm 119, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. So, Psalm 119, I mentioned earlier, it's all about the Word of God and uh, the super long psalm. It begins with this, that um, the law of the Lord, the scriptures, um, if you want to walk blamelessly, if you want to live a righteous life, um, it says that you have to walk in accordance to the scriptures. The law has to be in our minds and on our hearts. So that's the uh, introduction to the sufficiency of scripture. Any um, questions, comments? All right. So... Scriptures are enough for us. Um, and the definition that I gave earlier from Grudem, it talks about how the scripture that we have is enough to uh, for every stage of redemptive history. So, um, God has spoken to us um, from the very beginning, and he has given us his word um, throughout the throughout all the stages of, of um, God working with his people. So, the Israelites, and then the Gentiles, and everything in between. So, here is um, actually the words of Jesus. Um, he's referring to these Old Testament figures. But um, uh, do you remember uh, there, uh, when the uh, the rich man when he died, he uh, he went to he went to Hades or or hell, and um, uh, and Jesus is talking about man. If, if someone could just send send someone back back to uh, their friends who are still living and tell them. Um, then, then maybe they can be sa- maybe they can be rescued. And this is Jesus' response. He's saying this. But Abraham said, "They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them." And he said, "No, Father Abraham. Um, if someone if but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent." He said to him, "If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead." So here Jesus is talking about. Um, the prophets, the, the scriptures, um, th- those who spoke in the Old Testament, and back in the Old Testament times, if um, like uh, someone someone saying like, if someone were, were to raise from the dead and tell them like I, I rose from the dead and I experienced these things, um, then maybe that will be enough for for you to turn to turn to God and to repent. And Jesus is saying no, um, because everything that I gave you through the scriptures. That is what was necessary. That's all that is necessary. 
to believe in God, to trust in God. And um, so as we look at the Old Testament, um, what they had, the scripture that they had at that time, that was enough. And I will... Uh, let me I'm thinking of when I can make this comment. I'll, I'll make this comment now. Um, there, there have been a few books over the past like 10, 15 years that have been um, that are written by people that that they claim that they died and went to heaven, and then they did these speaking tours. They sold millions of books, um, and uh, one of them is called um, like To Hell and Back. The other is Ninety Minutes in Heaven. There's another one too, um, but um, oh, it was, an, it was some kid who like died and went to heaven, and heaven is for real. Heaven is for real yes, um, I, I watched the movie actually. It was pretty terrible, um, uh, but it was it. So basically, um, they were saying um, we experienced the afterlife, and um, and let me tell you what I found out. And once I tell you, then you're gonna understand for sure. And um, churches actually took these people in, and like hundreds of thousands of Christians actually bought these books, and. Um, uh, special messages from beyond the grave and um, well, uh, that is not so great it's terrible actually because what they're saying when they put out these books is that the Bible does not contain everything that we need for salvation for living how we should live we don't need books like these to tell us that uh, God is good that God is holy that salvation is found in Christ alone um, so the Bible is sufficient for that. Um, Deuteronomy 12, everything that I command to you, you shall be careful to do. You shall not add to it or take from it. So um, uh, you remember from Revelation 22, actually Joe brought this up last week. Um, we have at the end of the book of Revelation this warning, do not add to it or do not take from it. Um, because here it is. This is... Nothing else needs to be said because everything that God wants to say has been said through the scriptures, Genesis to Revelation. Um, it's interesting, though, that in Deuteronomy, Moses is saying this, um, do what I command you, don't add to it or take from it. What does that mean? It means that up until that point, everything that God wanted his people to know was in the scriptures and um, it, got, it was enough. But as we, as we study the storyline of the Bible, there's this unfolding and God reveals himself to his people in other ways. And um, this is, uh, this is we, we, we hear glimpses of this in the book of Hebrews where it says, these Old Testament figures, they look forward um, in faith to the Messiah that was to come. But even in the Old, even in the Old Testament times before we had the full Bible, um, that was enough for them. So God was gracious to them in giving them what they needed to hear. Uh, and then finally, um, Proverbs 30. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and be found, and you be found a liar. So, um, again, this war warning, do not add to his words. Um, if you add to his words, you'll be found a liar. So, those who write books about coming back from the afterlife, um, the Bible says they're liars. Um, they're, they're condemned um, there's there's forgiveness uh, for them, but um, they're dishonoring the word when they try to add to it. So um, this is the sufficiency of scripture um, that everything that we need to know is is in the Bible. Um, it doesn't mean that everything that we should know about everything in life is contained. Um, it means that for the most essential, most uh, foundational things about our existence are. are uh, our origins and our purpose and our destiny um, it's in the scriptures uh, any comments questions what do you think of people that write those books about near death experiences that like their experience confirms what yeah uh, that's a good question so the question is for those listening um, on the recording what about those who write books about near death experiences and their experiences just confirm scripture um I there's a I think that I, I, I would listen to those with a grain of salt um, I remember there was this one there was an article in the Atlantic maybe five or six years ago about this doctor he was a neurosurgeon or something and then he died and um, he he, um, he 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 was a Christian and um, he says that he experienced the afterlife and he came back um, uh and not not everyone who claims to die and come back say like Jesus gave them a special message. Um, I would take things like that with a grain of salt. Um, like I like 
uh, it, they, they've studied like afterlife experiences, and then there's something happening in the brain that th- just things that we don't understand yet. Um, but yeah, I was, I'll, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll just take, take it with a grain of salt. Um, if it accords with scripture, then I would say that's great. If they say say, say something that adds to scripture, I would say okay, um, maybe I shouldn't listen to everything you have to say. But that's a good question. Hey Josh, there's uh, sheets there if you need. Cool. Um, all right, let me go to the implications of the sufficiency of scripture. Um, we can be confident that the answers to our deepest questions and problems are in the scriptures. So this is what I said earlier. Um, uh, what is my purpose in life? Where did I come from? How do I relate to those around me? Um, how am I to uh, to care for those around me? Where am I headed? How do I get to where I should be headed? Um, we can be confident that our the answers to our deepest questions and problems are in the scriptures. Um, second, we are to add nothing to scripture, and we are to consider no other writings or teachings equal to scripture. So this would um, speak to maybe the Catholics who say that the Apocrypha that they, they have, that their, um, their teachings, that the teachings of the Pope, they say that these are, uh, their traditions, that these are on equal to, um, the, in terms of authority, they're equal to the scriptures. Um, the Catholics aren't the only ones that do this. Um, churches that profess to be um, confessional or evangelical, they'll have rules that say, um, that they put, they, they, they're on the same level as scripture. So they might say, um, there are certain ways you should be voting because if you don't, then you're disobedient to God. Or that there are certain ways you should date people or, or marry people uh, or there are certain things that you should or shouldn't be doing. Um, it's one thing to say that these are good biblical principles. It's another thing to say that this is my interpretation of it and this is equal to the Bible. And um, that happens a lot more than we think. And uh, it could even happen, you know, at our church one day. Who knows? Um, hopefully by the grace of God not. But uh, we need to submit to the scriptures and scripture alone. So that means um, if, it, if it's not in this Bible, don't claim that it is. Um, don't put your teachings above it. We need to submit to what the scriptures say. Um, and this is why, uh, I'll, I'll kind of add this. Um, there, there are some people that say, well, uh, um, I'm a Christian and my only, my only creed, my only confession is Christ. Um, and uh, if I believe in Christ, then that's, um, that, 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 that's it. Um, except you have to ask them, where do you get your idea of Christ from? And is it good and accurate? And this is one of the reasons why we need to be careful when we read the scriptures. We're supposed to study them. Um, in, in, the, in the book of Acts, the Bereans, they listened to the teachers. And then what did they do? They went to the scriptures and they said, did what the teachers teach, did they align with the scriptures? Um, and there is to be a orderly, systematic way of understanding doctrine. Um, you should look at the context in which the, the books of the Bible were, were written. We should pay attention to um, what the author was trying to communicate. Because if you're just guessing, then um, you can't... How can you have confidence? Um, uh, so that's why we try to be careful with what we say from, from the pulpit and from um, things like this when we teach. Um, we want to make sure that aligns with Scripture. And if we're wrong, then tell us. Because um, we're, not, we're not the Pope. Um, and we could, we could be mistaken. Um, but... Um, the Bible really is all that we need. Um, he, he tells us what we what we need to hear. So, so that's the second imp- implication. The third implication is this: we can be assured that God does not require us to believe in anything about Himself or His redemptive work that is not found in Scripture. So, um, very similar to what I said earlier. Um, uh, again, uh, use the the Bible as your measuring stick. And if someone tells you something that you're not sure if it's true, um, if it doesn't align with the Bible, then um, say, say I, that's not what the Bible teaches. Um, this is my understanding of the Bible. So, um, so again, this speaks to the, the completion and the beauty of the Bible, which is however God did it over the course of 3,500 years, he, through um, dozens of, of authors, um, there's this beautiful cohesion to the Bible. Um, there's these threads that run through it that no human being could have 
architected over the course of 3,500 years. Um, it was God alone that weaved everything together. Um, finally, there are no modern revelations from God that are to be placed on, on a level equal to Scripture in authority. And uh, I spoke about this last week as well, but let me say it again. Um, people that say that God told them something, um, maybe, uh, probably not, um, if, it doesn't, if it's not in the Bible. Um, again, the, the Spirit will speak to us. He'll give us impressions. And, and that's, that's beautiful and awesome. Um, but if someone says, I know for certain that God told me to tell you that you should be living in this city um, because he's going to shower his favor upon you. And um, there are a lot of, there are certain corners of, of the church that will tell us that. Um, I, mentioned, I mentioned Bethel. I'll, I'll bring, up, bring it up again because they're so popular right now. Bethel Church in Reading. Um, this is awful. I shouldn't, people can listen to this online. They'll probably, I'll probably get emails. Um, but there are certain churches in California that teach their, their, their members that you can listen to what God's going to say to you. And they go, to, they go out on the street. They, sit, they go to Starbucks and they find someone. And they say, God told me that there's someone wearing a, an orange hoodie. Um, and they see someone with an orange hoodie at Starbucks. And they say, God told me to tell this person that, um, that whatever is happening in their life, that he's, he's taking care of them. And that if, as long as they do X, Y, and Z... Um, they're going to get the blessing that God wants. Um, that happens. Um, I've, I've actually seen I've, I've I've seen people like that uh, in person at, at the bar station before. Um, this happens, and um, super dangerous for someone to say that God told me something. Um, the scriptures have everything that that we need, um, and it means that uh, we can have absolute confidence. We don't have to question what it says. Um, God's will for you is that you obey the scriptures. Um, I sometimes, so like, I, I, I was thinking about this a while ago. Um, some people, they just wonder, like, how, like, like, I don't feel like, I don't feel like, um, I just think, I, I, you know, we, we often want to have this um, really ecstatic, emotional experience to, to our faith. Like, I certainly want that. I wish I wish I were the type of person that, that had that. I don't. Um, um, but uh, like, how, how do we how do we get be the type of church that we want to be? And how do we live the type of life? How, like, if you want to live an amazing life that you're going to look back on and say, "Man, that life was lived well," um, where are you going to get that? It's by obeying the scriptures and doing what it doing what you don't want to do. Um, I think that is the secret to the Christian life. It's to do what you don't want to do, but do it anyway because God says so. And it means that your life is going to be difficult. It means that you're not going to be as comfortable, not nearly as comfortable as you want to be. But um, just do it. Read, read the Bible. Um, that's hard. I speak this because, and it's difficult for me because I don't do that either. It's, it's hard to obey what you don't want to obey. Um, if you're only obeying God because it it aligns with what you want in your life, then you're just using God um, as as an add-on. Um, Josh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the question is, um, there are some people that will um, that, that that do that type of of evangelism that I mentioned, who will um, even if the message wasn't directly from God, it, it, maybe it's an opportunity for these people to minister to them. Is that uh, so? I I would say that um, evan- evangelism in itself, that's awesome. That people go just go up to strangers and talk to them, and um, it's it's. I think it's okay to say that the Holy Spirit has kind of, is prompting me to like speak to this person, but I don't. I think it's really dangerous to say that God told me that this is what you need to hear, because it undermines the it undermines our confidence in Scripture if it doesn't go along with that. And what if that person? What if whatever we told that person um, isn't true? Um, what if it? What if actually like it just that that's not what they're supposed to be doing? Um, that gives them a very shaky foundation to base their faith on. 
Um, so uh, th that's very subjective. And I would say that it's not, like maybe that's the case that sometimes that's how God works, but we want to give people something um, objective and firm and stable that can be, um, like if you were to use a scientific method, something that can be repeated over and over and over. Um, and uh, what can be repeated over and over and over is um, that God is trustworthy um, and he tells us that he's trustworthy through his word. Oh, what if the person didn't didn't tell them that God told them? I think it's I think it's fine then. Yeah. That's a thanks. This is not a, a Bethel bashing thing, by the way. For those listening, um, I, I like the music. One, one of my one of my favorite worship leaders, his name is Jeremy Riddle. He's from Bethel, um, but he left the church. Um, let me let me close in prayer, and then if you guys have more questions, I'll take them. Um, just we're hitting the uh, ten thirty part mark, but uh, we'll be here next week. And then of course I'm around, so whatever questions you have, um, please ask. Let me close in prayer. Father God, we're thankful that the scriptures are sufficient, that they are necessary, and that we have all we need um, in them, God. Um, this doesn't mean that we idolize the Bible. It doesn't mean that we worship the Bible. But we worship the one that the Bible speaks of, and I pray that we would um, have the proper perspective. So um, open, our, open our ears and hearts to your word. Um, let us listen to them, um, and give us the desire to obey you as you speak to us through, them, through the scriptures. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Next week, we'll be talking about the authority and the clarity of Scripture, and that's going to be it.